Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. God's blessings are like a river. They fill the city of God with joy. That city is the holy place where the Most High God lives. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. All right, well, hello. My name is Josh Walters. I'm one of the pastors here at Seacoast. So glad that you're here to join us this weekend on this Memorial Day weekend. I want to welcome you if you're joining us online or in one of the venues at an off-site campus. Wherever you happen to be, we are glad that you are with us as well. You know, it's a freedom that we often take for granted. In fact, most weekends, I bet we don't think anything of it. But the freedom that we have to join as a church, uh, one church across many campuses and worship God and study His Word in peace and safety is one that comes at a great price. The First Amendment reminds us that the freedom of religion is a constitutionally protected right. And much like many of the other rights that we enjoy as American people, there have been many people over the years that have given their lives to protect those freedoms. So what I would love to do as we start today is just take a minute to honor them, and I'd like to do it in this way. If you are the friend or family member of someone who has given their lives to protect our freedom, would you please stand for me? That's awesome. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for every man and woman that stood to their feet, uh, symbolic, representing someone that has given their lives to protect our freedom. God, we, we are so thankful uh, for that today as we gather as a church to worship you. And I pray that the giving of their life would continue to bear fruit today. God, as we spend time in your word, uh, that it would not return void. May our hearts and minds be open to anything that you might wanna do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got a question for you as we get started. Have you ever been in a season of life where one day you might have described it as fun and enjoyable, uh, life felt relatively easy and carefree, and then through a series of events, all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where the words you would use to describe it are hard and heavy and kind of frustrating, and it left you feeling like, gosh, could I just catch a break? Have you ever been there? All right, you know what I'm talking about. So about seven weeks ago, Katie and I had our sixth child. And you've seen, probably seen pictures of him. Uh, man, we've been, he's super cute. I brought one to share with you. His name is Silas Anthem. And uh, he goes by Anthem. He's sweet. Little orange there, but we got that taken care of. <laughs> Little exfoliating scrub, I'm just kidding. And so he's sweet. And uh, some of y'all, man, I've had people in the church offer me like, cable subscriptions and gym memberships. Y'all talking about you need to get a new hobby. You need to mind your own business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're gonna leave that alone. And so, uh, but something about him has been different. And, and I don't think it's that it's our sixth, sixth child because our girls, they're 12 and 13 and they are just like awesome babysitters and the boys wanna be big helpers. And so I don't think it's the family size. 
I don't think it's anything about him in particular. He sleeps pretty good, and honestly, Katie has done most of the heavy lifting. She wakes me up at night to say, hey, make a bottle, burp him, change a diaper, and I get up and do what she, do what she tells me. But for the most part, she's done the night work. I think the deal is we're just a little bit older. And five years ago, I could get up two or three times a night, four or five times a week, and, and it wasn't an issue. But now, man, I crash into the weekend just spent. How many of you know it is harder to make it through the hassle of life when you're not getting a good night's sleep? You know what I'm talking about? So leading up to Anthem's birth, Katie went through this hardcore season of nesting. And uh, she had a list of things, like she wanted me to paint our master bedroom, which is real important right before you have a baby. You need to make sure, you need to make sure that's done, you know? And so she had that, and she wanted to redo our entryway, and she wanted me to paint a wall in our living room, and she wanted to get some new furniture. And I had kind of committed that I was gonna say yes to whatever she asked for. Now, I didn't tell her that, or I'd still be working, like today, you know? But, but the pregnancy had just been so hard on her. I mean, she was just miserable, always in pain, didn't sleep well, and so I wanted to do something, anything around the house that would make her feel some peace and joy at home. And so part of that was getting two new couches. Uh, we moved our couch downstairs up to our loft because uh, it had pretty much been a dance floor, you know, so now we got one up there and we did the two couches facing each other look downstairs. And so we found the ones we wanted, <clears throat> ordered them, they came in, everything was all good until I took them out and put them together and they didn't match. <clears throat> and when they're facing each other and two feet apart, that's kind of an important, you know, important thing. So I called the store and said, hey, um, our couches don't match. The boxes say the same color, but they're not, they're not the same color. And they said, oh, well, we'll just, <clears throat> we'll just, I'm getting choked up just sharing this story with you. <laughs> they said, well, we'll just order you a replacement. Why don't you hold on to that one until the new one gets here? I said, hold, hold on to it. It's like, we got six kids. That's 60 sticky fingers, <laughs> dirty feet, a dog. I, do you, the likelihood of me bringing this thing back to you without poo or juice or spit up <laughs> or anything, that's gonna be a miracle, you know? And I didn't want the new one to come in and me to return this one and then be like, whoa, we didn't know it was gonna look like that. We can't, we can't take it. So I did what any of you would have done and I draped the couches with blankets. And, and so for the last couple weeks, uh, I've been on the kids like, don't sit on the couch, don't drink on the couch, stay away from the couch, you know, I'm just stressed. Because I'm like, man, if the new one comes in and doesn't match and we end up having to return all these things, I don't wanna be stuck with mismatched couches. Well, while we've been dealing with the couch situation, we've also been training our dog uh, not to jump on the new couches. So I got a little beepy thing and a leash. I'm like training him. He's, she's doing great. Her name's Sunday. You've heard about my affection slash hatred for our dog. I brought a picture for those of you who might have forgotten. There she is. So sweet, right? Oh, yeah. Dog lovers. So she's a golden doodle. And doing great with training, not getting on the couch at all, but I thought, you know, we probably ought to take her somewhere to get a good, get a good clip and bath, uh, just to, you know, so she's good and, good and clean. And so we take her and drop her off, and they call me, hey, Mr. Walters, just finished uh, fishing up with Sunday, but uh, she had some mats around her collar line that were way too close to the skin. We couldn't brush them out, and so we had to shave them. And I was like, all right, well, just, just blend them Blend them in as best you can. It'll grow back. I'm gonna put the collar on. They're like, oh, okay. So I go to pick her up, and this is what she looks like. <laughs> what? I dropped her off. 
looking like Sunday. Why did we name her Sunday? Because everybody loves Sunday. Sunday's everybody's favorite day of the week. I picked her up looking like Monday. Don't nobody like Monday, you know? Like seriously? I'm like some kind of shaved cat. She's embarrassed. Look at her. And I feel awful. Now I'm tired. I can't sit on my couch. I'm embarrassed to look at my dog. Like, God, give me a break. So this Tuesday, I leave the house. I've really stopped looking at the dog in the eyes. <laughs> I leave the house, like, I'm going to work. I gotta get out of here. Pull out of my neighborhood. Car hits about 35 and won't go any faster. It's revving up, not going past 35. Car's speeding up on me. So I pass, Long Point Road, keep on going. Well, while I'm moving, I'll just go ahead and drop it off at the, at the mechanic. He calls me. I'm thinking, maybe it just needs some air in the tires. You know, who knows <laughs> what the problem is. He calls me, and it's not $80 or $800, but an $1,800 surprise. Will somebody just punch me in the face now <laughs> when we get this? I'm like, gosh, give me a break. Have you ever been there? Thing after thing after thing. You're just like, gosh, give me a break. You know, it's, it's no less maddening, but it's at least manageable when it's just the hassle of life. Because you know at some point, you know, the dog's hair is gonna grow back, the couch situation's gonna work out, one day we're gonna get a good night's sleep again. But what do you do when it's not something that's manageable? When it's something that's totally out of your control, man, and it is just wrecking you, robbing you of sleep at night, eating you up all day long, you're filled with way more questions than answers, and you don't know what to do. Well, while we've been walking through all of this circumstantial kind of stuff at home. We've been walking through something a lot more serious with my dad. About eight weeks ago, he had a, uh, a brain biopsy. And to give you some context on him, he's a, he's a Marine, a family man, man, just a fighter, loving, joyful guy. About six years ago, he got diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. And over the last couple years, he's been through three different rounds of chemo, and he's the kind of guy, the day after chemo was always the worst, but he would strap on a rucksack and leave the house to go on a 10 or 15 mile walk just to prove that he could. He's kind of always had this motto that you can get busy living or get busy dying, and for me, the choice is made, you know? So he would just start walking. He'd call my mom like 15 miles away, hey, could you come get me, you know? <laughs> Went a little farther than I planned, you know? And so he's pretty big, pretty big guy, but man, just big, heart, and, and uh, I remember a couple years ago, he came down to do the Rugged Maniac with me. My mom thought he was crazy, just frustrated, because he couldn't really run, but he was just kind of committed, and I got a picture for you. I remember when uh, we would run it, I would have my shoulder kind of wedged up under his bottom, some stranger's pulling him up over an obstacle, and his determination to just put one foot in front of the other. I remember running, walking the race with him, and every couple steps, I'm just turning my head, and wiping away tears, just blown away by his perseverance, resilience, desire to just go for it. Well, about six, eight weeks ago, he started having a series of seizures. Doctors couldn't figure out like what was going on. And up to this point, I've never gotten involved in his medical history really, but this time was different because it radically changed his life. He used to serve in the prayer room at their church at like 5.30 in the morning a couple days a week. Every single morning, he'd get up and go get my mom a cup of coffee before she woke up and a chocolate frosted donut, um, which you know is awesome. And so uh, he would drive down to Charleston once or twice a month to pick up one and or all of our kids to take them back to Columbia 
for the weekend, but now because of these seizures, he couldn't drive. And so life was looking very different. And so I said, Mom, why don't you give me, let me get Dad's scans. There's a specialist in our church, and I can pass them on. I've heard of people getting second opinions. Maybe we can pass them around and see if we can find, find something out. And so pass them off to a friend, and a couple days later, he calls me back, and I could tell it, it just wasn't good. The tone in his voice, he said, hey, myself and two of my partners each looked at your dad's scans independently, and we believe he has a non-infiltrating primary brain tumor. So I'll call my mom and talk through that with her, and they go to my dad's oncologist, and because we had conflicting reads, the oncologist referred him to Duke. And so he gets to Duke, and they uh, do the scans again, and the doctors there agree with the doctors here in Charleston that he had a brain tumor, and they wanted to do a brain biopsy. So they schedule it, do the brain biopsy. It's supposed to be a four-hour, like, outpatient kind of deal. Doctor comes out, everything... Everything went fine, your dad's in recovery. He was back there talking to a nurse and while he was talking to a nurse, his eyes rolled back in his head. They did another scan and rushed him back into surgery and he had developed a blood clot that had shifted his brain over nine millimeters and damaged his brain stem. So the next couple days, doctors would tell us that he would likely never have movement on the left side of his body that the part of his brain that was damaged controlled awakeness and alertness and pupil dilation. And so he wasn't unconscious or in a coma, he just wasn't awake. So you'd have to shake him and kind of scream at him and open his eyelids for him. And over the course of the last couple of weeks, he's made mild progress. He did, he has the ability where he can make a fist with his left hand and he can move his left or right leg a little bit, make a fist with his right hand. He can whisper words. Uh, we've seen little bits of humor, little bits of his personality uh, come back. I took my boys up to see him while he was at Duke shortly after, and he'd gotten uh, pneumonia while he was there. So while we went, we had to put on gowns, and when the boys walked in, they just crashed on him. No words, brought a picture for you. I walked in, just, just hugged him, to see them kind of crashing on Peepaw without words really to say. Well, this past week, Katie was on a run, and uh, she was listening to this worship song on a run, and kind of our family theme for the summer has been best summer yet, the best summer yet. What would it look like for Team Walters to have the best summer yet? What kind of experiences do the kids wanna have? What kind of things do they wanna do? What does my schedule need to look like? What do our family rhythms need to look like? And while Katie was on this run listening to this song, this line in the song said, the resurrected king is resurrecting me and she had this thought that man, the best summer yet would look like our kids having a front row seat at seeing God resurrect Peepaw. So she loads all the kids up in Big Alice and they drive, that's what we call our 12 passenger van, that's what you drive <laughs> when you have 18 kids. And so they go to Columbia and uh, they all ra rally around Peepaw and they pray that man, this summer we would see God resurrect Peepaw. And so they pray for him and have a little party around him, to see our, our four-year-old and six-year-old even try to say the word resurrected is pretty comical. But just believing that we're gonna see God have a front row seat to a miracle, to see him accomplish immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine that we even know what to pray for at this point. This week's message is, is really different for me because typically I like to speak about something that I've been through, uh, something that I could give testimony to uh, something from God's word that he's in some way rooted some things in my heart that serve as some handles for me in life that I could 
pass on to in some way or encourage or inspire you. Uh, But for this week's message, man, I am still very much in the thick of it. I've got a lot more questions than I do answers. I've been grappling and wrestling with my faith and what God's doing more than I ever have. And for the last year, since we kicked off this year, we've been in a series called A Year in the Word, where we gave out reading plans at the beginning of the year, and each weekend's message is coming from that previous week's reading. And this week's reading, man, was good stuff. First Samuel, Hannah, and Eli, and Samuel, God's anointing of Samuel is also the end of the book of Acts and the beginning of Romans. It was great stuff there. But as I read through the Psalms, there was one Psalm in particular, Psalm 55, uh, that I feel like in a lot of ways, David's heart and head, he just kind of captured this season that I was walking through. To give you some context, he's, he's on the run for his life. Nothing is really working out for him uh, with his family, with his friends, with his job. And he's, he's scared, terrified, just crying out to God. And I don't know that there's a better passage in scripture to give us a picture both of what we're gonna be tempted to do when we walk through hard times and what we really need to do to get through hard times. The first of which is there on your outline. When you're in a hard season, you will be tempted to, number one, question your concept of God. Question your concept of God. In verse one, David says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. I think it's interesting that David says, do not ignore my plea, because how many of you know when you're in a hard time, that's exactly what God does, all right? No, I see God in heaven like, oh, Gabriel, it's David again. (laughs) I know, my enemies are after me, death is upon me, blah, 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 blah. Like, just turn it down, Gabriel. There's too much going on around the world than to have to deal with this. And when we get in hard times, we begin to question. And over the last couple weeks, man, that's where I've been. I've been assigning motives to God. What happens in hard times when we begin to, to question our concept of God? We trade the truth of his word for the reality of our experience. We think because I'm hurting, because I feel alone, because I don't have answers, God must not be here. He must not care. I must deserve this. I thought, God, are you humbling me? Are you gonna break me really now? It feels like a kick me while I'm down kind of moment. Are you judging me? Like, is this sin? Is there sin I need to repent of? Is this pride? Like, what's going on? I've even thought, you know what? I've never gotten involved in my dad's medical history. This brain injury wasn't a result of the seizures or the brain tumor. It was a result of the brain biopsy. Had I never asked for a second opinion, he never would have gotten a brain biopsy. So am I responsible for what he's going through? I've injected myself into the sovereignty of God that in some way I could hijack God's plan for my dad. And it sounds crazy to say it out loud. But man, when we're going through hard times and we begin to question our concept of God, they say the voice that you listen to the most is the loudest, you know, and that's often yours because you're in your head processing, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? But in hard times, we can begin to question our concept of God, not question that he exists, Just lose sight of the fact that he is good, that he is loved, that he is with you, that he's for you, and it'll lead us to places that do not lead to life. So one, in hard times, we question, tempted to question our concept of God. Secondly, you'll be tempted to entertain troubling thoughts. Look at what David does here. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. 
Horror has overwhelmed me. When I first, when I first read this, I thought, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, you know? See those words? As I read through it this week, you could feel the heart of a man. You've been in that place likely where you're just terrified. You lay down in bed at night and close your eyes and anxiety has just taken over. You can't put on positive thoughts. Just overwhelmed. We're tempted in these times to entertain troubling thoughts. How many of you like to entertain people in your house? Have folks over, friends over? We do a lot and when we do, man, Katie will have a job for everybody. Uh, kids, we'll go out in the yard, we're gonna pick up the toys, send somebody up to the loft, I need somebody on the floors, we need to sweep and vacuum. Who drew the short straw? You get the bathrooms, you know what I'm talking about? But everybody's got a job to prepare for the guests that are coming over because we wanna entertain, we wanna welcome these guests into our home. We'll sit down and talk with the kids. Hey, when little Johnny gets here, if little Johnny wants to jump on a trampoline, guess what you gonna do? Jump on a trampoline, that's right. Little Johnny wants a snack, and there's only one left, guess who gets the snack? You know, like all these conversations to try to prepare for welcoming and entertaining our guests. Well, when we entertain negative thoughts, they are not a welcome guest, they are a violent intruder. They roll up in our house to my, what's up, Josh? What's going on with your dad, man? God, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with my dad. Hey, I heard your car broke down, what you gonna do? I don't know what I'm gonna do. Katie's gonna give me a ride in Big Alice. That's what I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. What do you mean you don't know? Tomorrow's coming, man. You gotta have an answer. Who's gonna pick up the kids? You don't know what you're gonna do. That ain't gonna work out well for anybody. It's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to bed. And then I wake up and that bozo is still there. He will not leave. When we're going through hard times and we're tempted to entertain negative thoughts, it will rob us of life because we'll begin asking questions and trying to answer them, neither of which are a process for us to manage. We begin trying to manage the will of God to look ahead into his work, what he's doing, and man, it just leads us to bad places. So we're tempted to question our concept of God, to entertain negative thoughts, and lastly, we wanna escape. We're tempted to escape. David said it this way, oh, that I had wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. Now, a dove, symbolically in scripture, represents innocence or sacrifice, so it's an image or picture of the Holy Spirit. And I see David. He's in this time where fear, horror, dread, all this stuff has come upon him. And he feels like he's an innocent man being sacrificed. But what I, what I see in him here is a guy who's wanting to escape. He's wanting to get away. He's far give up on the thought of like ideal circumstances. What would be best for me? He's just saying, hey, I wanna get out of this pain. That I could get somewhere else to find a little bit of rest and a little bit of relief. And I thought it was interesting that he said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Guys, if I'm David and I'm in his circumstances, like give me a, give me a like wings of a hawk or like some kind of man bird. Baka! You know, like fly out of here. Soar over these punks, I'm done. You know, wings of a dove. Kind of felt like he was asking for a Prius, you know? <laughs> like a getaway car, you know? A dove? Then he says, give me wings of the dove and I would go to the desert. I already know where to charge your Prius in the desert. It's a barren wasteland. No refreshment for your soul. David's saying, hey, any wings are better than no wings and any place is better than this place. Just get me out of here. I need some rest. I need relief. Man, I cannot escape these thoughts. Have you ever been there? 
Man, when we're walking through hard times and we're tempted to escape, to in some way to numb ourselves to the pain we feel instead of to remain under it and meet God in it. Not all escape is bad. Some of it is actually clothed as good. Maybe you hang out with friends or go shopping. And you get online, look at things online. For some folks, maybe it is something that, that will rob us of life, some kind of substance abuse. Either way, we're tempted to escape, to flee from the pain, just to find a moment of rest and relief. You know, thankfully, David didn't stop writing here. He got to a, a different place, but as I read it this week and thought about the last couple weeks that I've had, man, I've felt each of these. I've been walking through it, and I've walked with God and been in ministry long enough to know that, man, when I'm walking through these moments, that I'm not the only one. So we're gonna continue to read this psalm, but in many ways this weekend, I've been praying that this would be a line in the sand kind of moment for many of you. Because as David finished penning this psalm, his circumstances hadn't changed, but something in him had. And I'm praying and believing in some way that for many of you today, faith is gonna rise up within you. That if you're in a season where you're questioning God or entertaining troubling thoughts or wanting to escape, you're gonna find some freedom and faith today. So here's what I'd like to do before we continue. If you wouldn't mind just bowing your head and closing your eyes, wherever you might be. If you would say that you're in a season where you're questioning God, God, where are you at? What are you doing? Are you hearing my prayer? Entertaining negative thoughts. What's gonna happen to my marriage? Why is she doing that? Why is he doing that with my child or my job? Feeling like you wanna escape. If that's you, would you raise your hand for me? Thank you. God, I just pray for every hand that was raised. You tell us that you draw close to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. God, acknowledging all of our circumstances, all of our situations are different. I pray that today, in this moment, God, that you would draw close to each of us, that faith might rise up within us, that we would have a renewed confidence of who you are, of who we are because of who you are, and that we would know that you are with us. God, we commit this time to you. Help us to make a turn, just as David did. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do we do? <clears throat> what do we do? To find relief in a hard season, the first thing we have to do is to go hard after God. Go hard after God. Psalm 55, 17, this is what David says. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Evening, morning, and noon. Now, for those of you who might be familiar with David in Scripture, he was known as a man after God's own heart. He was a king. I've, I've just kind of pictured him as this wildly disciplined guy. And so when you think about going hard after God, whatever that would look like for you and what it might have looked like for David, I tend to make a comparison and think like, oh, I just don't quite match up to King, King David. But as I read this passage this week, this picture came to mind. Picture two guys in the gym, all right? One guy is like aggravatingly ripped. You know what I'm talking about. Sleeves cut off, shorts a little bit too tight. He's got this like power juice bottle he concocted at home sweating all over the place, like rip upon rip, and you're like, fine, I get it, whatever, strong guy, not jealous at all. <laughs> then there's another guy that um, is there as well. Sleeves cut off, working out hard, equally kind of sweating, just going hard after it, after it. Now, when you look at these two guys, one guy, the diesel guy, might be there out of discipline. He shows up every single day at six o'clock. 
He's working out and going hard after it, but the other guy is there out of desperation. What we might not know is that the day before, the doctor told him, hey, unless you start working out every single day, uh, you may not have much more time left to live. Well, regardless of how you would size yourself up with King David and the seasons where we decide I'm gonna go hard after God for whatever the reason or motivation, both discipline and desperation look the same. The fruit of them is the same. You show up and you go after it. So you know what, I'm gonna give myself fully to this. What was the last thing that you went hard after? You gave yourself fully to, evening, morning, and noon. You went to bed thinking about it. You woke up praying for it. You journaled about it. You read about it. You studied about it. Fully gave yourself to. Go hard after God. If I were to sit down with each of you today and just say, hey, talk with me about your pursuit of God. What kind of words would you use to describe it right now? Would you say it's uh, inconsistent? or regular, or passionate? Would you say you're going hard after him? Whatever language you would use is really between you and God. But I'll tell you this, to find relief in a hard season, the first step you have to take is to decide, I'm gonna do some things I've never done, believing that I'm gonna get some results I've never have. I'm gonna experience God in my pain, I'm gonna experience God in this tough season in ways unlike I ever would have otherwise but it's gonna start by me deciding I'm gonna go hard after him. The second thing that we have to do is share the load. Share the load. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast your cares upon the Lord. How many of you enjoy fishing? Bunch of folks. So I've been fishing 20 or 30 times in my life and have caught like two or three fish. <laughs> you thought I was gonna say a lot more than that, didn't you? None of which were big enough to keep or eat, but at least gave me the sensation of what it would be like to actually catch a fish. For me, it's the craziest thing. You go out on a boat or go somewhere and there's like an endless variety of lure, like live ones, dead ones, shiny ones, spinning ones, rubber ones. Do you use a bobber? Do you use a weight? Do you use the big hook or the small hook? Like I don't understand any of it. It's all a blind guess of throwing it out there and just hoping it lands in this like deep sea of nothingness and some fish is gonna magically swim up and eat it and it's a miracle, right? How in the world does that happen? So oftentimes in prayer, when we're walking through hard seasons, casting our cares upon the Lord can feel that way. You take something that's hard and heavy already that you don't quite understand, you bait it on this hook and you just cast it out into what feels like this sea of nothingness, slowly reeling it in, praying that God grab holds, grabs hold of it. God, would you answer this? Would you help me in this? Is the anxiety gone? No. And you reel it in, and man, you, you cast it out again. It's what it can feel like, but that is not what David was talking about. When we cast our cares on the Lord, we're not waving a flag, inviting him to come and be a part of our trouble. We're not making him aware that God, hey, I'm going through a hard time here. It's much more like in this week's reading when God called Samuel. Three times he called out to him and after the second time, Samuel kept running to Eli like, yes, yes sir, what is it? And Eli realized that God was calling him but Samuel had never heard his voice. And so he says, hey, if he calls you one more time, say yes, Lord, here I am. And I love that the passage says, the Lord stood beside Samuel and called out to him. 
He wasn't some distant voice in, in heaven. He was an ever-present help in times of trouble. He was right there with him. And that's what scripture says about us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he's with us. But when we're walking through hard times, we have to share the load. Don't think or stress about something any longer than you pray about it, you know? Give it over to him, acknowledging that he is there in the midst of it with you. And it might not be pretty. For you to share the load, it might look like the first half of this psalm, where you're questioning God, where you're entertaining negative thoughts, where you're wanting to escape. But it's interesting for me in this passage that David says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. When just moments before, he was talking about the anguish and agony and terror of death that had come upon him. But in giving it over, God had sustained him. So if we're gonna get through hard times, we've gotta cast our cares upon the Lord, cry out to him in prayer. The second thing we have to do there is share the load with people. We've gotta share it with the Lord and we've gotta share it with people. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Scripture tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I think one of the reasons that's the case is because the Bible talks about us being the family of God, a body of Christ. And that as we carry one another's burdens, we lighten the load for each other. A burden shared is a burden lightened. And I'll tell you what, man, over the last couple weeks, that's looked a couple different ways for me, one of which has just been in telling the truth. Some of y'all are thinking, well, I'm glad my pastor is finally deciding to tell the truth. <laughs> it's a good thing. But it's, it's looked like when I, when I see you out at the church or around town, you know, when people say, hey, how you doing? You've got the like five second answer. Ah, hey, doing good, man, doing good. Good to see you. And you've got the like 30 second answer. We're doing all right, we're making it, you know, getting through. A little tired, but we'll get there. Then you've got the like coffee answer. It's like, it's awful, it's not good. <laughs> well, I've just kind of combined all those into one response. And when people say, hey, Josh, how you doing? Usually my response is, you know, it's kind of hard for me to answer you and be honest. Um, because I have days where I'm like full of faith and believing, and then I have days that I just wrestle with, God, what's gonna happen? I know you work all things together for good. Like I know your word and I believe that, but I'm scared. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, you know? But I've been honest. And because of that, man, so many of you have been praying and texting and emailing. And in the same way that our best summer yet looks like our kids having a front row seat to seeing God resurrect Peepaw, so many of you will as well. Man, you've been praying for us and we feel that at our elder meeting. I'm telling you, I'm in a season where all I need is a prayer team and a response song and it can get ugly quick, you know? But I've just been honest, sharing the load. I'll tell you another way that it's looked is takethemameal.com. Have you ever heard of that? I'm telling you, the first month after Anthem was born, every single day, some angel from heaven would drive up to our house, walk through our yard with some casserole she had baked <laughs> or something she had bought from Whole Foods. I'm gonna tell you what, for 30 days straight, I ate like a big dog, you know? <laughs> to be able to drive home from work at the end of the day and not worry about what you're gonna feed these 18 kids was like a gift from God. Had a guy in the church say he was gonna cut my yard for a while for us. And it's been hard, you feel needy, you feel weak, I wanna feel like I've got it all together, we're got it, we're managing it, we're all good, till your car breaks down, you're like getting an Uber. <laughs> to go to work, you know? But it's just been a season where we felt needy, but by sharing the load with people, 
Man, I've seen folks love on us, help us, bless us, and it has lightened the load. If you're gonna get through hard times, you have to go hard after God. You have to share the load, both with God and with people. And number three there on your outline, you have to trust the Lord. You have to trust the Lord. Psalm 55, 23, David says, but as for me, I trust in you. I trust in you. David, like many of us here today, made a profession of faith in God long ago. Being a man after God's own heart, he knew God's heart. But there was something about this moment, something about this time that was different. I accepted Christ my junior year of high school. And that was the beginning, but I'm in a season today we're in the midst of these circumstances, when life is pushing on me, when it feels heavy and hard, when I can't see what the outcome is gonna be, that I have to remind myself yet again that God, today, I will trust in you as well. And that's where David was, hiding out, terrified, his circumstances hadn't changed, but he's saying, God, even in this, I will trust in you. Two weeks ago, I got up early one morning and read through all of this week's reading, just kind of praying through, God, what do you want? What do you want me to talk about this weekend? And when I got to this passage, man, I'm sitting at our dining room table just feeling the crazy of David a little bit, how he must have been thinking, how he must have been feeling. And then to make a turn in this psalm and to see his hunger for like morning, evening, noon, I'm going hard after you, going after God. But as for me, I will trust in you. And as I read that verse, I just knew that's what God was calling me to that some reason this time and these circumstances that I need to speak that out, that God, even now, even now I trust in you. So I went about getting ready for the day before I left, called Katie in the bathroom and just kind of told her about this psalm, what I read, and we just declared that together and prayed it over us, that even now I will trust in you. We're all gonna go through hard times and we're gonna feel a bit crazy. We're gonna be tempted to question God we're gonna waste time, waste time entertaining negative thoughts. We're tempted to pursue opportunities to numb our pain that we might escape it. But if we want to grow through hard times, if we want to experience and encounter God and then really see him move, man, we've gotta to commit to going hard after him. We've gotta share the load with him and people. And we've gotta remind ourselves that even in this moment, even in these circumstances, God, I will trust in you. A couple weeks ago, I went to the art conference. It was two weeks after my dad's brain biopsy and we had made a road trip back and forth to Duke and I had, I had been out of the office for a week because of the baby being born and I just felt a little disconnected mentally and emotionally with work and thought, man, going to ARC will be great because I'll get to spend some time with our team, reconnect with folks, it'll be good. And so as we start the conference, first day, first session, they start playing this song. And as soon as they hit the keys, man, it was like God like pulled back this curtain in my heart. And I thought I was doing good. This wasn't a spiritual retreat. It wasn't like me going after God. It was just me being present to connect and kind of re-engage with my team. And it was like God said, hey, you've been strong, but you're not doing good. So as they started to sing the words of this song over us, it says, you give life, you are love, you are light in the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that's broken. Great are you, Lord. As they sang the song, man, I couldn't do anything other than 
and just stand there and hold my face in my hands. Tears are just like running down my arms and soaking my shirt. I'm like a mess. I tried a couple different times to sing, but it was like words just weren't coming, you know? And God did something in that moment. I didn't feel like I deserved it. I expected it. Wasn't even pursuing him. He just really met me there and wrecked me. And man, I remember as that session ended, I walked out breathing a little easier, excited about what God might wanna do over the next couple days. So the next day I walked back in, but I brought a tissue with me this time. <laughs> and sure enough, they start playing those same keys. I'm like, oh God, here we go, you know? But I tried to sing and I could sing. And it was like, I went from being a victim the first day, life had been pushing on me, man, it was hard and I was hurting. But that second day, I worshiped from a place of victory. My circumstances hadn't changed, but I knew that God was with me. And all of my questions, maybe lies I had believed, stuff I had told myself, I knew that he was life, that he was love, that he'd bring light in the darkness. When I couldn't see what was going on, when I was confused and angry and frustrated, that he was great, that he was great even now, that even in these circumstances, I could declare that and sing that over me. I don't know what season you might be walking through today, but I'm gonna tell you in that moment for me, worship became a weapon for me to push back to darkness. And it was so counterintuitive. Nothing about me wanted to worship him in the midst of a hard time. But as I did, it was a way of re-upping my faith in him, my trust in him. And even though my circumstances hadn't changed, faith had raised up in me and it was a new day. I don't know what you might be walking through today. But as we head into response time, I wanna invite you to let the words just wash over you. Maybe speak against any lies you might be believing or holding on to, believing that God sees and knows where you are. He's not surprised by your trouble. He is with you, he's for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And today, for each of us, if we will re-up on our trust in him, man, he will meet us and we will walk out, maybe looking at the same situations, but with a different perspective, with a different posture, with a new song, on our mouths. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, I praise you for David. I thank you for this example. God, so many times where I feel crazy walking through hard times, so many questions, struggling to process, but I'm thankful that you are life, that you are love, that you are light in the darkness, that you give hope, that you restore every heart that's broken. Great are you, Lord. God, I pray that you be present with us now as we respond. God, that you meet us in our pain, that you meet us in the midst of hard times, that we would commit to remain, that we wouldn't flee from our pain, that we wouldn't try to numb it, but we would meet you in it. God, that we would see you in a way that maybe we never have before. We would experience you in a way that we never have before. God, be present with us now as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen.